What's going on, everyone? It's Greg Williams and Shakia Sykes. Welcome to the Grier Project podcast series. Now, you're probably like, Greg, what does Grier mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's five different letters that mean five different things. Gender, race, inclusion, equity, and allyship. Right, Shaq? Right. It's a podcast series that centers on celebrating diversity within New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and the Department of Homeless Services. We'll spotlight cutting-edge DEI practices and broaden listeners' perspectives on current DEI issues. Steve, tell me about From Day One. What is it about? Why is it important? How are we changing DEI HR? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, we started a few years ago uh, in Brooklyn thinking that it was really important that businesses care and organizations not just about stockholders, but about stakeholders, them being employees, um, community members. And then then things just sort of took off for us in the discussions because big events happened. The pandemic, the murder of George Floyd, the, the racial justice movement. It just really lit a fire under people that, okay, this needs a lot of attention. There's been a lot of lip service paid. Now bigger commitments need to be made. So what we did is we, we've had this forum that moves around the country about those issues, what can be done, what are the obstacles, what, where's the progress? We try to look on the, you know, on the good side too, where recognize people who've done things that are, that are good and, um, and then look at the road ahead so that the focus doesn't shift away from the, from the workers and from um, the whole cause of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Listen, Shaq, I got Tara in the house. You don't know my friend Tara. <laughs> Tara, she don't know nothing about nothing about Gray always says everybody is friends. You just met Tara, Gray. <laughs> yes, I just did meet Tara, but we're best friends for never, oh, never. Okay. Listen, listen. even if we were just best friends in our head prior to today, we have reality today. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, see, we got this, today. This is my thing. We are over here at From Day One, and I had to pick up the paper because I want to make sure that it says from day one. That's exactly where we are, right, Shaq, from day <laughs> yes, one? Yes, we're here. So we're here with DEI professionals, HR professionals. Tara Bellevue, Tara Bellevue in the house, everybody. Now, Tara, I'm not going to get your whole entire job title wrong. Okay. I just say VP diversity for now, but you you said the whole thing. Let Tara talk about Tara, herself. Hey, come Tara, on. Go ahead. Come exactly. On. <laughs> so I am the vice president of diversity, equity, inclusion, access strategy for NAP, which is an educational nonprofit. Um, that supports high school students in their career journey and their college journeys. So let me just ask you right out the gate, the first question, and I'm going to let Shaq play with the ball a little bit. She's going to play a little basketball. She's going to dunk it, but I'm going to it right now. How did you come up with the term brave space? Everybody says safe space. Brave space sounds a little bit more, you got to go further in the game. Absolutely. And no, I did not coin that term, but I know that when it was introduced to me uh, and to our organization, we knew that we needed to invite people into brave spaces because I think a lot of times what we find is that people were saying like, oh, I'm uncomfortable or I like to be in my comfort zone. Well, what about the actual space? What does that look like? What does that feel like? So we believe in an invitation to a brave space allows for multiple voices to be heard, also to be able to challenge things with care and compassion, as well as being able to understand sometimes it's important for you to take a step back Mm -hmm. instead of being the center of attention. And what does that look like in every organization? And it gives people to be able to understand like, well, what are my behaviors that I bring into this space? And, and how can I use these to be able to further the initiative of the organization, but also to my personal 
listen, but that gives us an opportunity in this, in this space to be able to do it not only professionally, but personally, so that you can start to own these opportunities mm -hmm. and being able to utilize Brave Spaces in a variety of contexts, whether that be your, your all staff meetings, whether that's when you're talking to your entire network at your conferences, such as like from day one, how do you can embody that and, and allow people to be able to join you in that space? So it's not just you and how you're living in the space, but how we live in the space together. I really like it because mm -hmm. I think it's a great way to get people engaged and keep up the momentum. Um, and so one of the things we do have issues with in the DEI space is engaging employees. Do you have any tips on some best practices for employee engagement? Absolutely. And I think it starts with the idea of engagement. Engagement surveys are perfect for that. And but not just the idea of like taking a cookie cutter approach to engagement surveys. What does your organization represent and what you're trying to accomplish and designing those engagement surveys for that that audience and then taking that information back. And that this is where you're going to have to have candid with compassion. So sometimes you're going to find out things that you are disappointed in, your feelings may be hurt by, but you gotta step outside of that and understand that this is their voice, this is their perspective. And so if you're trying to make an organization um, uh, holistic and pe being people first, you gotta be willing to accept that and then process it and then down do something about it. Don't just take that information and now put it on the shelf. What are you gonna do with that? So one thing that we did well, after having uh, an engagement survey that was specific to our organization, we then said, we, how do we put together a team of people from the organization that represents every facet of the organization to start to talk about this and then set some priorities around that information. So we have something called the transformation team. So that team has brought together based upon that engagement survey, but then we ended up setting transformation priorities. So these are the six things that we're going to be willing to double down on that aligns with not only our mission, but our strategic plan. Oh, wow, awesome. I think we need to go back and do some work. We did a survey. We did a survey. Um, so we did a, um, a equity and inclusion and belonging survey. Mm -hmm. And we talk about how the survey gives employees visibility in the workplace um, and how their voices can be heard. But moving it to that next level mm -hmm. is what you said. And right. that is so helpful and so useful. That is um, good information. I hope leadership is listening to this episode. <laughs> Let me ask you this question though. All right, all well in hand, you got a survey. And this is my thought process. Most times people may not check their email. It may happen. Most times people may not see the bulletin board. It may not happen. I'm trying to go to the bathroom. I'm not trying to stop and look at no boy. Mm -hmm. But it's all about word of mouth sometimes and the importance of that manager or that director saying, hey, this is what's happening. You need to participate or you should participate. Can you talk about the importance of the facilitation of that process of communicating how important these surveys are? Absolutely. I think that to that particular point, it's not that it's mandatory, but it's how you communicate it. So how do you give them a sense for that this is important? So like, say it, 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 then model it, model it, model it, model it. So not only am I going to tell you as a leader in an organization that you should complete the survey, I'm going to complete the survey. 
I'm going to tell you what my experience was like in that survey. So I'm not saying to you that it's required, but I'm keep talking about it. So uh, obviously it's important. And like, and as we talked about earlier is the idea that when you create these engagement surveys, create them for your organization. So one of ours was, and as we talked about on the panel discussion earlier about the generational gap. And so how does that generational gap or how do you have multiple generations within an organization? And what does that mean? How does that now equate to seniority in the organization, how does that now equate to privilege within the organization? Because have you have been there for 10, 15 years, so you've had seniority being there, that means that you have privilege over another person in the organization. How do they, how does that dynamic work? Oh, that's, that's great, you're dropping gems. Yeah, we have a lot to think about, Greg. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit, how would you say you've influenced and progressed DEI in the workplace? Yeah, can you let us know a little bit about that? So actually, I remember a colleague saying to me, uh, she had just come on and we had just done her onboarding and she said, oh my God, I love you so much because you're so vulnerable. And I was like, clutch my pearls because I am not very vulnerable and I really don't like to talk a lot. Um, but I realized the role that I played, mm -hmm. how I was an influencer in the organization. Yeah. So I think that individuals that typically are quite successful in their role in DEI are influencers. And so if we look at it from that perspective and going back to the idea of modeling the way, I had to be vulnerable in the space. And so sometimes, most times I have to enter the space and how, what my experiences have been mm -hmm. like. I remember right after George Floyd sending an email to the entire organization expressing how it felt to show up in my intersectionality within this organization. And that gave the organization pause because you can't unsee that, you can't unread that, you can't unhear that. So now what are we gonna do about it? And that became the catalyst for moving forward. So owning your role as an influencer in the organization and also understanding that it does sometimes require us to be vulnerable. And when we talk about bring, being a, bringing our authentic self to the organization, that adds value to an organization. That's yeah. the diversity. That's the complexity. That's the beauty of, especially here in New York City. Of course. It doesn't get any better yeah. in the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's um, really important to hear your colleagues' stories. We all have stories to share and it just makes us more real at work. It makes it real. And, you know, it's so relatable when people are like, hey, you know, that may have that happened to me. I had that same experience and, you know, it's a way to connect. Absolutely. Yeah. So my last one before Shaq gets her last one, I'm going to get my last one in this one. <laughs> Self-awareness. Mm -hmm. I really think that that's really something that we may overlook, mm -hmm. whether you're a manager or you're an employee. But can you talk about self-awareness and how does that really factor into moving the need and making sure your workspace or place is equitable? Ooh. So I, I think there's twofold for me that's, that's popping out. So there's the idea around equity. Mm -hmm. So, and then there's the idea around equality. So let's start with the equality piece. Everybody got, got a space, a place, a seat, a role within an organization, but it's that equity that helps gets us not only in this space and on this pathway, but it gets us through the door to all of the various opportunities. And I think that when we talk about self-awareness, for me, it will be individual by each person, but also too, it's like how do other things kind of surface and pop up. So for me, I remember a conversation that I had around imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So when you're self-aware, 
you don't really see that. You know, you don't see the fact that it's, it's an imposter syndrome that I'm kind of dealing with. It's the idea that, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough. I don't have the credentials for, I am not worthy of the space and dealing back with that. So that's a personal journey, but understanding that I may have a colleague that may have a very similar experience, may, though I probably didn't even think that we had that same experiences. So being able to name the thing that's in the space allows for more self-awareness and then also to being able to give tools, workshops and trainings to how we adjust with that. And sometimes it could just be as simple as an article. Yeah. Or this lovely podcast. Yeah. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so one last question to close out. You know, do you have any like um, do you can you let us know, do you have any events or ways that you really stay up to date on any DEI issues or things that may be happening within the DEI world? Oh, my goodness. There are so many. Mm -hmm. But I will start with the fact of opportunities like for day one. Yes. Um, is, a, is a, a beautiful way to be able to do that. But there's also too, it's a network. It's a small network. People talk about how big New York is, yeah. how big the world is. It's a small network. Most of us know each other from whatever, whatever aspect. So when you start to find the commonalities, being able to build upon that. And one beautiful place that I love to go to is LinkedIn. Yeah. Is the idea is that there's so many different opportunities for us to connect and see where, where we already know mm -hmm. other individuals and how to be able to build upon that. But also too, is just being a part of... Or, affinity groups because whether it's your ERGs, if it's your sororities or your fraternities, they all are great places for us to be able to cultivate these relationships and to be, stay abreast as to what's happening. Keeping our, our finger on the pulse. Shaq, I'm going to stop talking because yes, I'm going to let go. you come, come in on. on this one. I kind of dominated the last one. All right. No, you didn't. Just, just lead in. Start off. All right, listen. Come on. Mr. Dale mm -hmm. Cook is in the house. Everybody got to clap it up. I'm treating this like it's my radio show. I don't have that. Right. I don't have that function, you know, where you get the automated right. claps. The, uh, yeah, the big audience So we audience have to just clap. come up mm -hmm. Okay. This. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm happy to introduce myself. I'm Dale Cook, co-founder and CEO of a company called Learn to Live. Uh, we're a mental health care company uh, and we provide digital uh, mental health programs and clinician coaching services 24 7 uh, for employees for health plan members for university students for teenagers uh, we also have a lot of other tools that help people access mental health tools and activities 24 7 uh, with the goal for us of meeting them where they're at we all understand that um, we all struggle um, and not always struggle. We, we all have a need to improve our mental fitness on a daily basis. And so part of our mission is to make sure people have the access and the tools right at their fingertips whenever they're ready to do that. Oh, that sounds lovely. I probably need those some of those resources working with Greg. We can give you a code. We have yeah. a code for that. So Thank we you. have an app for that. Thank you so, yeah. so much. Um, so can you tell us how can it, uh, individual develop an understanding of the importance of self as an agent of change in diversity in DEI at work. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I'm uh, happy to speak to that. I think um, the first thing I would mention is, um, you know, when we think about mental health, um, you know, and kind of going along that journey, um, I think the first step is um, understanding kind of who you are. Mm -hmm. uh, and the things that um, you're dealing with, right? So in the panel, we talked about um, burnout, yeah. for example. And so, you know, um, 
for all of us, I think, engaging in mental fitness and learning more about um, how you manage those things, um, I think, grounds you in who you are better mm -hmm. uh, before you then can turn and think about other issues uh, with your colleagues or other ways to relate to each other. And so for us, even at Learn to Live as a company, I think a foundation of diversity, equity, and inclusion is let's understand each of us who we are as people, as individuals first before we begin the conversations with each other. If that answered your question. That did, that's that's really awesome because I think mental health and DEI, um, they, they kind of go hand in hand mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, with the DEI work and in the space, it's like, you know, it, it takes a toll on our mental health if employees yes. feel like they, they're not, they don't have visibility in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, they feel like they're being discriminated against. Mm -hmm. It, it takes, I've seen it take mm -hmm. a toll um, on their mental well-being. So mm -hmm. that's why these resources are important. Mm -hmm. And um, with that said, um, mm -hmm. because of certain workplace issues, mm -hmm. how do you, like, what is one of your main ways to engage employees when it comes to like mental health resources? Because mm -hmm. I know that can be really tough to kind of get yeah. people on board. Yeah. Um, well, I think you, you said something really important, even as you think about like, we've all experienced in diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations where if people don't feel safe and it can be anybody from any background with any range of, you know, uh, personal experiences, if we don't feel safe, we don't feel comfortable being open with each other to talk really about anything. And so kind of that personal safety and personal comfort is one of the biggest things that we think about even before mental health tools, uh, when we work with any organization. So to answer your question, if we're working with an employer, um, what we do is we create all of the awareness and engagement activities that over the past nine years we've learned mm -hmm. uh, could check, for example, make yeah. you feel safe. So if you're struggling with depression, um, often mental health problems are very isolating. So you're not maybe comfortable talking with your family about it or your yeah. closest friends. And so what we seek to do is provide your employer with communications that we've learned will resonate with you, that will say to you, we understand it's a tough deal. We understand it's personal. It's very private. It's confidential. We're here. We've been down this road before and we're here to come alongside you and help you in a fully confidential, private way. We don't share your information with your employer. Yeah. We are here and here's how it's really easy to connect with us. That's how we do it. That's amazing. I, I do um, agree with that. Employees, um, yeah, employees, they really want to want to know that it's confidential mm -hmm. and they don't want things shared. I've, I've had yes. that like experience that speaking one on one with other employees, mm -hmm. they they they're big on that. So, you know, making people feel that they're in a safe space mm -hmm. is like so amazing, mm -hmm. um, an amazing way to engage employees. See, I'm gonna I want to get back to Greg. this onion right now. Yeah. Dale. <laughs> Learn to live. Uh -huh. What inspired the the, the, the idea, like, you know, how to come about? You know, there were two, uh, I would say, I would call it the perfect storm between the two co-founders. So one is myself and one is my co-founder who's a PhD in psychology. Um, and his backstory is, is not entirely different than mine, but he's PhD in psychology, former engineer. And he just felt a different life calling that he needed to apply uh, his intelligence and kind of his thoughtfulness and his ability to relate to people to become uh, a therapist and a psychologist. Um, and along that path, I was in parallel, this is many years ago now, but in college, very involved, loving life, um, but a little overextended with my academics, athletics, music. And I was getting really burned out back to the panel from today and became anxious and had trouble sleeping, but I didn't know 
that it was a mental health and mental fitness issue. And I was fortunate to get help early on during that time that really changed my trajectory um, and understood that mental health is really, it's not something you deal with always in crisis or it's not a problem that we need to be embarrassed about or ashamed of. It's mental fitness, just like physical fitness. If I get on the treadmill, uh, I feel better. I have a better day if I get on the treadmill yeah. in the morning, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so for me, when Dr. Russ, my co-founder, approached me about this, easy win. Because now we had an opportunity to do this same thing, but take it to millions of people to help them proactively manage what we call their mental fitness. So you don't have to have a clinically diagnosable level of depression to benefit from daily tools and daily check-ins that just improve your mental health and helps you manage your thoughts and emotions in the ups and downs of life. And so for me, it was an easy win to say, I want to dedicate all my time to helping as many people as we can. And right now we, we serve about 33 million Americans. So we're wow. very focused on scaling this out to help people. Now, one of the things, you know, one of the things that really gets to me is sometimes people say, I don't have time. Yeah. I don't have time. Yeah. And that really impacts you mm. and you don't even know about it. You want to go to work. You want to take care of your kids. You want to go to school. God forbid you may have a second job. You have to take care of your That's parents right. and you don't have time. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about, Dale, can you talk about the importance of making time and the impact that Learn to Live can have yeah. on somebody's daily life activities? Boy, uh, I, I could talk all day about this particular issue because I think you're, you're really getting to the heart of it, which is not unlike, you know, I'm 51 and so I'm on, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of my own fitness journey, right? So. I'm married, I have a son, uh, I'm leading a company, leading a team, right? We're very, I'm very busy, my schedule's very unpredictable. Time is the biggest issue. How do I find time to take care of my mental self? How do I find time to take care of my physical self? And so I can be as motivated as anybody else to do it, but as a practical matter, if I don't have ways to fit that into my schedule, it's never going to happen. It's not even a question of motivation, it's a question of time. And so for us at Learn to Live, part of how the programs are designed is whether it's on a native mobile app or a web application on your iPad or on your phone, whatever you need, you can engage for five minutes at a time, 10 minutes at a time, 24 seven. Our clinician coaches available 24 seven. So at 10 o'clock, kids are finally sleeping. You have a minute to yourself, you're feeling anxious. You can call a coach and you'll get a coach immediately on the phone and you can spend five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes talking about your mental health. And so for us, part of that jump from how do you find the time is more, how do we make it easy for you to find the cracks in your schedule, the little bits of time to engage with us as little or as much as you want, if that answered your question. Oh, that, that was perfect yeah. because it just segued into my next one and then I'm gonna throw it over to Shaq. So in your experience mm -hmm. and in your own words, in your you know life, have you ever seen the impact of somebody's productivity? And let's take it into two, two individuals. One person mm -hmm. making time, taking care of their mental state, and one person not. What is the impact on productivity as a whole and what you see? Sure. I, I mean, we get emails almost every day uh, from our users, from our members that talk about these things, and it's dramatically different, dramatically different. Um, in fact, that's one of the three markers that our employer clients track is productivity. 
Um, and um, you're probably familiar with absenteeism, but there's also something called presenteeism, yeah. where uh, someone can be at work and they're clocking in, but they're having something at home that's stressing them mm -hmm. out. So they're not really being productive. Um, and so they're there, uh, but they're not really working and they're not happy and their organism, no one's happy. Uh, and so there's a dramatic difference between someone who's there but not really present uh, compared to someone who's learned how to manage like, oh, I had a rough morning with my spouse or I had a rough morning mm -hmm. with my kids, but I've learned some skills on how to kind of put that in its place, deal with it in a healthy way, and now I can be productive. So I would tell you dramatically different and it doesn't take much time. It can be a few minutes every day and it can make all the difference. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Dale. Uh, Greg asked too many questions. We told you two or three. So we're going to close out. But can sure. you let us know he where to find you, to talk for where we can find you? <laughs> I'm happy to talk. Uh, sometimes I talk too much. So we're on the same page. Yeah. Thank you, Dale. Uh, um, yeah. So you can find us at www.learntolive.com. Okay. Um, that's the easiest way. And uh, on our website, too, you can click a button called Contact Us. And if you need to learn more, uh, we're happy to have our team reach out to you. Thank you. This is me such meaningful work, a much needed resource. And we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. The Grier Project podcast series is produced by the New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and Department of Homeless Services. You can find us on the web at www.nyc.gov backslash DSS.